0: all right everybody it's time for another episode of the secret sauce podcast i'm your host josh swing and i've got my good friend tim sweetman on the show today not only is he a remarkable owner operator at chick-fil-a millsboro in delaware but he's also the host of the mission and margin podcast which i would highly encourage you to check out in the episode description below tim is the definition of a pioneer he's not afraid to dream big and then back those dreams up with processes to help them come true So naturally, when I asked him, what's the name of your secret sauce? He responds with a made up word. Lean in as he unpacks what it looks like to live a life of Sonder. Tim Sweetman, I am fired up to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man, I'm especially fired up to have you on because you host your own podcast, in Mission and Margin, which I think everybody that's listening to this podcast should go tune into it. Some incredible episodes there that you've recorded on the Mission and Margin podcast. Tell the audience a little bit about about your podcast here on the front end of our conversation, and then we'll we'll hop into some of our questions.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. And Happy to share about that. So this this podcast really started as a very small personal project of mine, where I decided to determine that I would make six episodes of a podcast. You know, the world really doesn't necessarily need more podcasts. So when I started this project, it was very personal. It's very much for me. And I decided to sit down with mentors, with business leaders, thought leaders, theologians, as many individuals as I possibly could to talk around this idea of what it looks like to get away from the either or mentality that many of us have. So, For example, in business, for me in particular, it was either you run an incredibly profitable business or you are totally mission-minded, mission-oriented. And there was no room for both those things to happen. And so I really wanted to start having conversations about, man, how can I bring together those two things? How can I run a wildly successful business? And by that definition, a wildly successful business being defined as one that's able to do both profit margin, as it were, mm-hmm. and also mission. And so this ties in to something I did A decade ago when I was stepping out and wanting to learn how to be a father-husband. And I just started sitting down with as many uh, men as I could at that time to start picking their brain. And I would do anything to sit down for lunch and just, just ask them questions. And this time around, I decided to record those conversations. And of course, it has grown now into something much bigger and broader. We have a ton of episodes coming out that I'm really excited about from folks that are Forbes 30 under 30 list. We've got an episode from the CEO and founder of Tithely, which many people have heard of. And yeah. just a number of 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 folks that are on this show that I am just blown away by spending time with. And, and I hope that people enjoy listening to it so they can find it at missionandmargin.co. And we're on pretty much every platform
0: out there, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple podcasts, all those areas. So appreciate you letting me shout that out. Absolutely. I loved what you said at the beginning of like maybe the last thing the world needs is another podcast. I heard a, a podcast joke recently, and it was podcasts are like children. They're very easy to have, but not everybody should have one. So <laughs> That's right. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There's way too many. I think there are, there's way too many podcasts out there, but this is not one of the off ones. This is actually one of the better podcasts that I've listened to. So yeah, please go check it out. Cool blue logo. I think the background's blue with some white M's on it. If you're searching for it on Apple podcast or Spotify, That's wherever right. you listen to podcasts, one of my favorite shows of all time is lost. I don't know if you ever, have you ever seen lost Tim? Okay. Of course. So I want you to imagine put yourself in lost. You're on that airplane. It's crashing somewhere over the ocean. You're stranded on the Island and miraculously, God decides to to float you down any Chick-fil-A sauce that you would want to have on that island with you as you're stranded, what Chick-fil-A sauce are you going with and why? This is a pretty easy answer
1: for me. The Chick-fil-A sauce is absolutely the decision I would have here. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And then I I did want to throw out a controversial thought around this that I've been brainstorming on this idea for a while. And I actually think it's a brilliant question. And it actually... Maybe this ties into some of the the things that we're going to talk about later. But the reason I chose Chick-fil-A sauce, besides it just being incredibly delicious, is I love the story behind it. I love that someone innovated this sauce and they actually stepped out and took a risk and started serving it to guests without any permission. I, I just love that background of that story. Of someone just being creative and thinking outside of the box and coming up with this sauce. So that being said, my controversial idea here: we need a new sauce at Chick Fil A. I am convinced that it's time. I don't know how long Chick Fil A sauce has been around. I've been with Chick Fil A on and off since being a teenager, so that wasn't that long ago, but say fifteen years ago. Yeah, and I think we need another sauce. I think there needs to be some innovation here. And, and my, here's, here's my interesting idea around this. I think we should jump into the world. I hope some folks from Chick-fil-A are listening. I have no power influence over this at all, but <laughs> a limited time sauce, limited quantities. I know we don't sell our sauces, but this might be an interesting opportunity to really generate some incredible buzz. So something sweet, some kind of like a honey glaze type of thing would be really, really good or like a honey heat. I think some international flavors could be really, really interesting, like kind of a jerk chicken type of sauce. That would be interesting. I think maybe exploring the Caribbean, maybe something from some Indian countries as well. This could give us a really international flavor and flair. And I think introduce some folks to who we are. So we're certainly about service, but man, we are also about the sauce. And so you got to combine both those things. So that's my controversial idea. So I I almost didn't want to choose Chick-fil-A sauce. I was like, I want to choose whatever the next sauce is (laughs) <laughs> that Chick-fil-A That's,
0: has it in mind. Pioneer in you. Does, pioneer you, me. You could, yeah. Just give like a boring no, no. answer, Polynesian or no. you know, whatever yeah. it is. I can't I can't do Polynesian, you know, I can't I can't do that. So yeah. I think you're on to something here, especially with like the first Chick-fil-A just opened up in Puerto Rico. And so like a little bit of Caribbean flair, but you're maybe, you're maybe onto something there with like how do we tap into some of these international markets that we're targeting and serving. To, to bring in a little bit of additional flair. Right. And
1: I know the supply chain folks are just, they're like sweating hearing me say this, <laughs> but I'm obviously imagining in the world of no supply chain issues and yeah. no challenges there. And and again, hey, everybody has an allocation. There's a certain amount of sauces and that's it. It just drives people to want to come try this and get this sauce. So I'm just throwing it out there. And if it happens, mark the date, this was the this time that we is, came up with this it idea. Came from, right yep, here. It
0: came from this, this podcast, this episode. It probably won't. They'll probably come up with it no. for a different reason if it does ever but it's come fun, out.
1: It, it's fun to
0: imagine. Yeah, sure. Well, that's an awesome answer. I love that. I even love your Chick-fil-A sauce answer, but the reason behind it of just the pioneering that took place, the why behind the sauce, and then maybe the opportunity for some more innovation here on the horizon. We'll see. Go check out Tim's store. He's gonna have all the hybrid sauces there. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't come check on me. Just kidding. Yeah, we're 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 clean.
0: I'll uh I'll I'll transition us here to the next question. It's gonna be in relation to sauces. What's really cool about Chick Fil A is the way that they leverage sauce is part of their generosity, right? You never get charged for sauces at a, at a Chick Fil A. All the proceeds from sauces that the big bottle sauces that Chick Fil A sells goes to funding. People's education, which is incredible. And I want to hear a little bit about your secret sauce. How is Tim generous? How do you look to add value to the team in your unique way as an operator? What would you say is your go to sauce in the way that you engage the team? The word that I was actually going to bring up today is a word that I,
1: I just learned about this week. It's called Sonder. And I, I think it's tied to Wonder Sonder. I'm, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's defined as. That moment you realize everyone around you has an internal life as rich and as conflicted as yours. In other words, Mm -hmm. every life has a story. And there's been something about me. I don't know if this is because of my faith. I don't know if this is because of nurture or nature or something along those lines. But I think uniquely, I've been able to show up in situations and realize that everyone has noise in their head. Everybody has the same feelings and fears and thoughts that I have as well, including my team. And so when I approach problems or issues or challenges, I think I've been able to have a unique ability to have empathy and understand another person's perspective. That's the reason I think we're able to innovate because you can have empathy. You can start understanding what your customers want and who you want them to become. But I think for me, showing up for my team in that way is different. So that's also part of why I started the podcast, I think, because I tend and lean towards the maybe the care, the mission-minded portion. And I needed some help to think a little bit more about the margin aspect of who I am. But I have to realize, I think that secret sauce is this Sonder piece, which is such a weird word, but it's such an amazing concept that if you can stop for a moment and realize the humanity... And everyone around you, you're less likely to respond poorly. There's a quote from someone named Catherine Hoke. I I don't necessarily recommend her to people, but the quote's really powerful. It's that you can't be curious and angry at the same time. And I think that's a really huge lesson for me that I've brought to my team. And so you could say the word is sonder or the other secret sauce, maybe curiosity. That's good.
0: So those two things they they both tie in together. I'm wondering where Sonder even came from. I'm, I'm thinking like it's a hybrid of like story and wonder, and it just like morphed into one thing, but yeah, at the heart of it, it's that in, insatiable curiosity. I would call it just the desire to want to know more, to seek to understand more and to empathize, right. To put yourself in somebody else's place and think, okay, how would, how would they receive this? Or how are they processing this? Or how are they thinking about this? taking moments to reflect on that is just so, so powerful. And I believe it's the most critical factor in success is just having that genuine heart level care for others, that desire to want to know more because it's, it's impossible to fake it. Right. And
1: it's, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think very often it's just easier to approach life with slapping labels and assuming that everybody has the same exact story, maybe as your own, or assuming that an entire group has a story that's all exactly the same. And we see that over and over and over again in our world and society. And unfortunately, I feel like that's what tears us apart more than what brings us together. And so when people come into my organization, it is very challenging I feel like we have to spend a lot of time peeling back those layers that the culture around them has built up, that they need to be angry, that they don't approach with curiosity. They just label, well, that person doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. That person is X, Y, or Z. And so if we continue down the path that we're heading down, we just get further and further apart from one another. I hate to see that. I hate to see that happen. And uh, it's too easy to just look at someone on, say, the television, and assume that's not a real human being. It's really, really easy to do that. And it's the same thing, even for our customers, our team members. I think as business owners, sometimes we tend to look at everybody just as a number, even though we say we don't do that. It's very easy to do that. You're talking about thousands of people you're seeing every day, yeah. and I know I've been guilty of this. You, you get you get into a situation where one or two folks have called out of work and now everybody is irresponsible and yeah. everybody is uh, doesn't care or I, I I really have tried to stop telling my or allowing my team to say this generation dot 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 does x y or z i don't like doing that anymore, or all of our customers do x y and z i i don't like approaching it that
0: way anymore I'm really fighting against that yeah, I think generalization is a terrible path to go down, like you're saying, just throwing labels on mass groups of people is never a good idea. And it reminds me of a of a quote that that I've heard before and I can't even remember where it came from, but it's it's hard to hate somebody up close. And I think that you can break that down into like a physical closeness. Like if you're close to somebody, if you're up close and personal, it's hard to have that level of hate. Like you said, it's easy to see somebody on a TV screen or somebody at a distance that you don't really know. But I think it's also a a mental closeness to like, if you're not thinking about what that other person may be going through, and it may be very different than what you're going through, then it's a much easier to to have hate in your heart as well. And so we've got to extinguish that at all levels. And I would agree with you and that being your secret sauce, just in the conversations that we've had, Tim, I would say that you're one of the most growth-minded individuals that I've come across personally. And you do have this desire to always learn more and grow more. And so I want to hear more about your approach to that ways that you've been intentional about that and being an aggressive learner and share a little bit about what that's done for you in just different phases of your life too.
1: Like anything, there's certainly two sides of the coin. There can be a negative aspect of being growth minded or always wanting to learn in that my house is littered with books that have not been read yet. And there's always about. I'm I'm looking at a, a screen right now that has no less than twenty tabs open, and just the chaos around that. And I'm sure some people really resonate with that. Some people um, have major
0: anxiety right now. Some, about some, your but, twenty tabs, yeah, they
1: they don't want to know about how many text unread text messages are on my phone, those types of things. But when I look back again, I don't necessarily have a massive amount of life experience. But I was really gifted, I think, by my parents allowing me early on to explore what I wanted to explore. And I'm not pushing for unschooling or anything like that. And I don't think if, if my parents listened to this, they would agree that we did unschooling. But I was homeschooled from kindergarten to high school which was a a unique experience, and I really, really benefited from that because I was able to explore everything. I was allowed to follow my curiosity wherever it went. I was the type of person, and kind of still am, where I'd have a thousand different hobbies, wanted to learn everything, wanted to dig in. And I'm still trying to, to understand and discover why I in the way that I am with those things but I've always been that way I've always wanted to learn something and learn everything about it whether it's a news story whether it is learning how to collect rocks or whatever it might be you know just just like silly little things that that happen but I think what really helped me in this journey was when I was 19 you know I had this curiosity about things around me but when I was 19 I took a trip to Agra, India, which is where the Taj Mahal is. Mm -hmm. And the idea around it was to put myself and another guy from college, probably about 19 or 20 as well with the translator, put us on a bus in Agra, which is already pretty far out, and then send us into villages where no one had seen a white person before. No one had seen an American. There's a little bit of risk as well around this. And we went into these villages and we we shared our stories. And I, I really went in thinking, you know, I have the answer for all these people. And I do. I certainly believe that that we had the truth of, of the gospel. But mm. I had my eyes opened by going to another country and another place, another location to realize that these also are human beings and they have a very different perspective on life. And before they could Except maybe my way of thinking. I had to understand their way of thinking. And it's so funny how that journey and that experience, I felt like even though I was there to share information that I believe and, and to share truth, I ended up learning so much from those that I had the conversation with. It's like I learned more than I could have ever imagined going that situation. So when I came back, I really started to, started to try and apply that. I, I realized... Somebody had inspired me, I guess, at some point to do this. Why don't you just step out there and start asking questions from anybody? Mm-hmm. I think people love to share their stories. They love to tell people what they're doing. And so, as I shared before, that podcast idea kind of started when I was 20 years old and thinking about marriage and family and career and life. And then I said, what would it look like to ask the president of the school that I'm at to have coffee? And to sit down and or get lunch or something like that, every student in my dorm was like, "That is the craziest, dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life." How in the world they, these guys don't have time for you? But I I stepped out, took the risk, and some people made it really difficult for me to meet with them. I think they put some challenges around it. I remember having to meet somebody for coffee at like four or four thirty a.m. in the morning, like the place wasn't even open yet, and and I was willing to do anything to get that learning. And so. At some point in my life, I became an insatiable learner. I cannot get enough information. I live for that. I don't necessarily live for answers, but I'm always hungry for ideas. I could share all the way up until now as a a very new Chick-fil-A operator. Obviously, I'm constantly trying to learn and listen to other operators, but I've also been inspired to step outside of the circles that I'm in and try and learn as much as possible, especially from people who... Have no idea what I'm doing. I really love that. And I can I can tie that back to India, right? You're trying to explain an idea to people who have zero context at all. And you have to now convince them that your truth is the same truth that they should accept. It's the same thing for me. When I think about my business, I want to try and present that information, maybe not to the owner operator down the street, but to ask in my case, I'm, I'm a part of this program called Alt MBA, and I'm doing this the next 30 days where I'm sitting across from a guy who does design for Spotify or a director at MetaMask and, and is deep in crypto. And I'm trying to tell them about how I'm trying to run my Chick-fil-A business and what that looks like and getting feedback from them. Now, that's incredibly valuable, not just to hear their feedback, but also to try to put into words and to defend your positions is really, really powerful. So I pretty much hold everything very loosely in terms of what I believe on business and mm-hmm. and I'm always very open to listening and, and I crave, crave feedback now in a pretty amazing way. So that was yeah. a long way of coming around that, but hopefully that's helpful. I think that's just, there's something about me that craves that feedback, that craves information
0: it hasn't gone away so far. So it's, it keeps on going. That's awesome. There's a lot in there that I wanted to circle back to and unpack. I I think that when we're in our own world, it's so easy just to be in our own world. And while, yes, I can learn from going to my church community and and in my small group, there's just so much value. And like you said, the illustration you used was, was perfect. I I think that going to India can just drastically open your eyes to what you can learn from being by uh, people who don't think the same way that you do because they just haven't, they had a completely different environment for their life than you've had. I love that you've not only desired to grow within your circles, Tim, but you're pushing outside of your circles for that additional insight. And the open mindedness is amazing too. I think the world could learn a lot from your open mindedness, especially in the world that we currently live in. Just your willingness to, really learn first and you learn that through life experiences like you went to india thinking i'm going to teach like i'm about to teach these people the gospel and uh and you got rocked right you got there and you're like no i need to learn first before i can even communicate with these people in a way that's meaningful about the truth so i mean so much in there is resonating and i, I really appreciate you sharing that and i think it's really helpful too for operators to be able to hear a little bit about what you're doing through all MBA anybody else listening like i said it's 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 so valuable to get outside of your circles and i'm sure the insights and the feedback that you've been able to receive from people in product design in operations for cryptocurrency and healthcare like all these other avenues are um are extremely applicable in different ways within the restaurant and the way that you even engage your team the way that you think about your business I could probably ask you 500 more questions about what you've learned in some of those conversations. But I, I do want to talk about your curiosity in light of difficulties and challenges and your open mindedness and how it even ties into that. Because running a business is hard, especially early in running a business. You're talking about like your first five years as, a, as an operator within Chick fil A, and everything just doesn't go the way that you dreamed that it would go. I want you to share a little bit about your mindset when it comes to overcoming adversity and when challenges come your way, the way that you approach those, the way that you strive to learn through them and continue to grow yourself as a result of those challenges. Such a difficult question to answer because initially when
1: I think about it and reflect on it, I don't know that I'm really phenomenal at dealing with adversity, I I'll be open and honest and and transparent here. I think that I really have struggled. This is what's so funny about I'm so open and curious, but at the same time, I've really struggled with not seeing the results, with being very concerned about the outcomes. My mindset though has recently changed away from obsessing about the outcomes, and I used to hate this phrase trust the process. There's so many sports figures that I admire and respect They would say that over and over, trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. And I said, I have no idea what that means. And I wish I did know that in the first couple of years of running my business, I was so focused on the outcomes, the sales, leadership team, happy customers, whatever it might be. For others, it may be relocation, multi-unit, those types of things. That really got in the way of good decision-making and really got into my emotions, played to my fears, into mm. my frustrations, all of those pieces. 2021 was a very difficult year because I had focused so much on outcomes and the outcome had not come to fruition. In fact, in 2021, I had made what I thought was a very good decision. I think it still was a good decision, but the outcome was horrible. I hired a COO level person, but the outcome was they stole thousands and thousands of dollars from me. Up until recently, I thought I am not good at decision-making, frankly, dealing with depression, anxiety, those types of things around it. And then it was challenged recently to think about what does it look like to take away that outcome and just know, are you making the good decisions along the way? Right. make it strategic bets. I mean, this is what strategic bets means is that over time, you're making good decisions. That's what the best poker players in the world do. I mean, they they're going to get beaten occasionally by the worst players. By me, they'll get beaten. But in the long run, they trust their process. They trust their process that more often than not, they will make good decisions. And those eventually will lead to longer term, positive outcomes. But they're lo- they're not concerned about that outcome. And so I actually stopped this year and I picked a different word for my year called consistency and have approached it from that way. And, and that's a, another way I think of saying trust the process. I'm more concerned about is my team, is the process for my team to grow? Is that in place? And are we doing that process over and over again? I'm more concerned about the process of how we serve our customers Then the final outcome, because I know the outcome will take care of itself. But if I am so obsessed with that final outcome, and I'm not saying not to have goals, but if I'm so obsessed with that outcome, it's going to be really frustrating at the end when I don't get it. And I realize, oh, wait, I missed all these pieces in the process. So I think that's my mentality now. Focus on the process. I know it's a frustrating thing to hear. Yeah, Maybe love the process, but maybe another way to say it is stop obsessing so much with
0: outcomes that you can't control. Yeah. And work on the things you can control. It's good. It's a good word. Control the controllables. It's easier said than done though, to second what you just said. I know it's it's frustrating for people to hear sometimes because it's like you say, yeah, I'm going to detach myself from the outcomes or my value is not in the outcomes. It's in the process. But when the outcomes come, it's a whole different story. And so you just have to be so intentional and focused on the process yeah. side of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Uh-oh. the story here's the story I heard. I'll say this really really quickly. It the, the analogy is you have a group of friends. They've trained, they are climbing a mountain. It takes hours and hours to get to the top. Big celebration, high fives. And then they go, "Well, I guess it's time to go back down again." It's great to get to the mountain peak. It's awesome. But the real fun and enjoyment that they had was that difficult process that took them to the top, that climb that took them to the top. You know, To use a Chick-fil-A frame, they climb with care and confidence. right? But it wasn't about that final peak. That was great. It was awesome. But eventually, I had to go back down again. It was about that process. That's where the magic happens, not in the final product. And so that's a mentality. It's something I have to tell myself on a regular basis. That is where I have to keep my mindset. Not on that final product. We will get there eventually. But I'm frankly just enjoying... Leadership development and the struggles and the challenges around that and mm-hmm. and not getting crippled by fear and anxiety and stress around whatever it might be, with the sales or did I hit symbol or whatever? Those those things will come if you trust the process. And yeah. if they don't, are you still gonna be happy with the way that
0: you ran your process? Because those things are fleeting and they'll go away. Yeah. yeah. I think in order for us to have joy in our lives, you have to fall in love with the process at some level. If it's directly tied to the results, the results are just going to be bad. Like that's just the truth of it And at different times. You just can't win every single thing that you try to do. And so super encouraging to hear you speak into that. You just talked about this a second ago and I I still do set goals, but I'm I'm more concerned about the day-to-day decisions that I'm making. But obviously having that compass to be able to guide you in those decisions is really important directionally and, and where you want to go. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. I know that you're a like dream big kind of guy. Like I'm I'm gonna get after it, essentially, is is what you're saying through some of the goals that you set. And so I'd love to hear some of what you're thinking about right now. Like what are some of the things that you're aspiring towards that you're pushing yourself and your team to go after? And of course, you're gonna have the processes to align with this, but share some of those things with me. This is fun
1: because I I love trying to pick something that's absolutely insane and crazy. To do, and this is the first one of the first times I think I've approached this so from that perspective of okay, there, there's going to be a process that gets here. I'm not going to obsess about this final goal, and and frankly, I'll be happy regardless of whether we hit this or not. But one of the pretty insane things that I'm trying to do is to lower our turnover rate by just an absolutely insane amount. Um, everybody's percentages are different, but essentially to be the number one choice for employment in our area. And the context that I'm in makes this even more difficult in that we have one of the highest percentages of outgoing 18 to 25 year olds from the state of Delaware in this particular county, they just leave. yeah. And so you have that going on. And then we have a massive influx of people coming into the state. The vast majority of those are 55 or 65 and older. So the challenges around staffing alone is difficult. They add on top of that, that you're going to retain talent and you're going to retain talent in an industry that is known for massive turnover. Mm -hmm. And you're going to retain talent in an area which is known for turnover. There is a cultural embedded action of working a place for one year and moving to the next location in order to get a dollar more. That's just part of the culture here. We're near the beach. You just work at the umbrella stand, and then you work at the ice cream shop, and then you work at Chick Fil A, and then you go back to the umbrella stand because they want you back. And you've now you made four dollars extra than you yeah. did four years ago. And so, backing into that, and I've got I, I'm happy to share some of the things we're doing, or I think are going to be helpful for that. But it's our crazy goal. I think that that is the type of place that I want to be. I want to be the kind of workplace that everybody wants to be at. That's more process oriented. It's less about
0: the final goal than anything else so yeah it's the main topic of almost every conversation i know that a huge challenge that exists right now is the labor shortage and battle for talent and all that kind of stuff and you just spoke to that you have multiple factors that are working against you the industry that your business is in just the brutal facts are that turnover is higher in the qsr industry and then even the geographical location that you're in with how transient it is And even what's embedded into the culture, because it's a a coastal town and the seasonal work, I guess, mentality that exists there. But I love that in light of all of those things, you're like, Hey, we're not going to make excuses. We're not just going to say, Hey, we're, we're satisfied with this rate of retention because of these factors. You're like, no, absolutely not. We're going to continue to push forward. We're going to have one of the best retention rates in the industry and in the brand too, which is, uh, is so inspirational. For me, and I know for everybody else that's listening right now, talk a little bit about the process of that. So, like, what are some of the factors you're thinking about as you're thinking about okay, we're about to retain people at a high, high rate, higher than anybody's seen before? What are some of the process-oriented ideas that are floating around in your mind? Sure. One of the
1: things that we are going to do is to have a process of caring for our employees in the and I think a better way in applying some learning principles to the way that we we approach retention. So we use Slack for internal communications, like everybody. What we have decided to do is to take our around 100 employees and to break them up into five cohorts of about 20. Everyone will be assigned to these cohorts as part of the process of being onboarded. There is a director or leader that is assigned to help the 20 people stay engaged with these 20 people. What, what doesn't matter what shifts they work on. It's communication, talk to them, those kinds of things. And then they'll be separated out into four or five sub learning groups that will have a trainer or a team leader assigned to that. And so this is a long-term play for us that we're going to be testing and innovating. But it's a way I think, and I believe if we run this process the right way, and we're intentional with how we use this that we won't have team members slip through the cracks anymore. Mm That tends to be the case that a lot of the turnover is just because we're not talking to people, we're not listening. So that's Mm -hmm. number one. The second is I've been challenged by a lot of the folks in my Alt-MBA group to listen more. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be very difficult for me because I think I'm smarter than everybody else usually. And to bring in a bunch of 16, 17, 18-year-olds and listen to their ideas is challenging. But the phrase that was said to me is, if you allow someone to build their own house, they'll want to live in it. And so I don't know that I can retain people without fully understanding the kind of house that they want to live in for a long time. What does that really, really look like? And it's going to take some work. It's going to take some real hard conversations, a lot of big, big questions, and a lot of difficult, potentially turnover before we get to the retention piece. Mm. It's going to take some time. but So we have some listening sessions set up coming up here, probably uh, some evenings that will be opened up, uh, occasional Sunday meeting, where I'm going to challenge everybody in an organization to come up with and really get to the heart of why they're here. And not just the initial surface answer. I like the people I work with. I'm not satisfied with that answer yet. Yeah. and And I also want to hear from the people specifically where I'm at in my county, and my town, what they want as well, and what they want to build, not just taking... I could go out and obviously do research and, and see metrics and stuff, but I don't want to pigeonhole anybody into being a particular way. And so there's a lot of work to be done here. and I think this is a process that's multi-year. We're, we're about to start a very long, intense journey. But I'm excited to do it. And I'm just obsessed with learning. And so this is a great way to apply that obsession with learning and curiosity and apply it not just to, oh, let me listen to the guys who are you know working on ad campaigns for Spotify or in crypto. but Let me also listen to the kid that's only had one job and it's just Chick-fil-A. I have to be willing and humble enough to listen to their ideas and their perspectives.
0: Yeah. And I, I love that. I love your humility in that. To sum it up in one word, the listening as being your first step in this process and this journey towards achieving these new heights in regards to retention numbers is really exciting. I think what you said is completely true. Nothing worthwhile happens overnight. There's, there's no magic pill. There's no easy button for something like this. It's going to be a journey. Like it's going to be a process where you're going to seek to learn and we're going to fail and we're going to learn some more before we get this thing right. But I'm excited to see what happens as a result. The The analogy that you use really stuck with me. I think somebody will live in your house for a limited amount of time, but they're going to live in their house a lot longer. And so how can you build a house that they see as their own within your brand, within your company? This conversation has just been chock full with value, Tim. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing some of this with us. I know we're, we're running out of time here. I did want to give you the opportunity if there's anything else that you wanted to share, any parting wisdom, any like one thing that you're like, hey, I hope that everybody hears this from our conversation. Take it away, share that, man, and then I'll, I'll wrap us up. Obviously, would love for folks to check out
1: podcast, that would be fantastic mission and margin. But if I could just encourage people maybe to sum up this conversation, to go watch a Ted talk called, maybe we could put it in the show notes called the danger of a single story, spending some time thinking about that, especially as a business owner, business leader, there's so many implications for that. I would just encourage people to to watch that and reflect on it and see how they can apply that into their own business.
0: That's good. Yeah. We'll, we'll have that in the show notes where people can go and click in and and watch that, that Ted talk. I appreciate you coming on today. The theme of curiosity was so strong through the entire conversation that I hope people got that in listening to this, that really at the heart of the impact that you're creating and that you want to create is this genuine level of curiosity and Sonder. So thanks again, man. I'll talk to you later, Tim. Thanks. Secret Sauce Nation, my encouragement for you today is simple. Live your life with such a genuine level of curiosity towards others that it is impossible for them not to feel valued. After listening to Tim, I hope you are half as fired up as I am to dream big, then back up those dreams with daily habits. Remember, everything worthwhile is uphill. If it was easy, everyone would do it. The question is, do you have the willingness to do the hard things? As always, if you want to chat about WildSpark or leadership in general, the link to connect is in the episode description. Thanks again for listening and making the daily commitment to invest in yourself and invest in others. Until next time, stay saucy friends.